Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, June 18th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The U.S. has pulled out of talks with the European countries over how to tax tech giants. Then, not all companies are cutting their spending during the pandemic. Just look at private equity. And Hertz has some news on its controversial $500 million share sale. Plus, America's allies in Asia are worried about what Donald Trump's transactional approach to foreign policy is doing to their relationships. DFT's Seoul bureau chief, Ed White, explains how these rifts may further enable China's influence in the region. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. European countries have been trying to figure out the best way to tax big technology companies such as Google, Apple, and Facebook. The U.S. is not a big fan of this idea and has been threatening tariffs if these countries go ahead and impose taxes. So the two sides have been trying to figure out a compromise. But yesterday, U.S. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin said the talks had reached an impasse. That's according to a letter he wrote to four European finance ministers that FT journalists reviewed. Mr. Mnuchin said the U.S. couldn't even agree to interim basic changes to global taxation law. Paris, Madrid, London, and Rome have all been pushing for more aggressive taxes on big tech groups. They argue that these companies profit enormously from the European market without giving much back. And the tax revenue would be welcome right now as countries try to recover from the economic devastation of the pandemic. Mr. Mnuchin's letter indicates the U.S. wants to resume talks later this year. European diplomats said they would send a joint reply shortly. Are we entering an era of corporate austerity? In many cases, yeah, companies are making less money because of the pandemic and don't have as much to spend. But private equity groups are taking a different approach. The FT conducted an analysis of PE companies using figures from data provider Refinitiv. Our journalists found that the top 11 ranking private equity groups by deal count have announced transactions worth more than $40 billion since the beginning of March. It's more than a third of what all private equity groups worldwide spent on acquisitions in the last three months of 2019. But this figure might even underestimate how much dealmaking is happening. U.S. private equity groups have more flexibility to make deals than their European counterparts. That's because over the past decade, they've expanded beyond buyouts to other businesses, credit, distressed investing, infrastructure, and technology funds. And that's part of the reason why eight of the 11 companies in this ranking are from America. And why, in this moment, they have the capacity to strike deals and buy debt and equity stakes in groups that have been hit hard by the crisis. And bankrupt car rental company Hertz launched a stock sale on Monday after getting approval from a bankruptcy court. The goal was to raise money to cover expenses during its financial restructuring. But yesterday, Hertz suspended its $500 million share sale. The company said the Securities and Exchange Commission approached its advisors to review regulatory filings governing the share sale, and that after discussions with the SEC, Hertz decided to hit the brakes. Hertz shares stopped trading just before noon on Wednesday after comments from the SEC. They had climbed 6% when trading resumed at about 3.30 yesterday. Last week, the share price of Hertz skyrocketed more than 100%. A prospectus warned investors that the new shares were probably not going to be valuable. That is, unless Hertz's more senior creditors were repaid in full. But the company has said that was unlikely. (laughs) 
Earlier this week, North Korea blew up the inter-Korean liaison office near the country's border with South Korea. It marks a sharp escalation in hostilities by Kim Jong-un towards his southern neighbor. On the same day, 20 Indian soldiers were killed in clashes with Chinese troops in the Himalayas. These were separate incidents, but both were worrying signs of rising tensions in Asia. And it all comes as U.S. President Donald Trump steps back from America's longstanding commitment to upholding the liberal order in the region. Edward White, our sole bureau chief, has been looking into the impact of Mr. Trump's transactional approach to foreign policy and how this has weakened longstanding alliances at a time of rising Chinese military power. So these escalations come against the backdrop of stalled negotiations between Washington and Pyongyang over North Korea's nuclear weapons program and also on the sanctions on the country's economy by the international community. And frankly, Donald Trump appears to have lost interest in what had been his main foreign policy objective. Under these circumstances, analysts believe that the Kim regime is really reverting to a tried and tested playbook to gain more leverage, where it creates a crisis, which it can later step back from in order to win concessions from the international community. Now, this is North Korea, but in South Korea, there have been ongoing demonstrations in the capital of Seoul against the U.S. What were these about? Yeah, these are relatively small-scale protests, but they are a sign of continued opposition and resentment stemming from Donald Trump's demands that South Korea quintuple the amount it pays for hosting U.S. troops. So there are about 30,000 U.S. troops stationed in South Korea. This deployment is part of a long-standing system dating back around seven decades to the Korean War designed to deter any North Korean attack. Uh, But as part of the U.S. president's broader pressure on allies to pay more for the defense support that they receive from the U.S., Seoul has become locked in negotiations with Washington for more than a year. And this dispute, which is being watched very closely by countries like Japan and Germany, where Trump has also made similar threats, there are also underlying fears that he could move to actually pull U.S. troops out of those countries. And so that would all amount to a basically a tectonic shift in the security architecture that we've really had since the end of the Second World War. In terms of what's actually happening on the streets of Seoul, it's also really seen as a reaction to the way that the president has handled this issue. Um, many Koreans feel insulted by remarks that Trump has made towards the country over not just recently but over many years and also his administration's transactional approach where they feel really that this goes against the spirit of this long-standing military alliance. Now, Washington has accused Beijing of using its growing military and economic power to coerce its neighbors to reorder the region to their advantage. How do the clashes on the India-China border fit into this picture of fraying regional ties with the U.S.? India and China fought this bitter border war back in the 1960s, but this dispute over this territory in the Himalayas has remained unresolved. These recent clashes are being seen as a sharp escalation in tensions, and that's obviously concerning given these are two nuclear-armed states. And some analysts believe that this hasn't been helped by the animosity towards China from the U.S. President Donald Trump and his strategic embrace of India. In the past, a U.S. president or State Department might have been in a position to show leadership, uh, to play a positive role in easing tensions, and this is just not something people are expecting to see these days from the Trump presidency. 
So, Ed, with all of this in mind, do do you think that China will get more confident and we'll start to see more things like what we saw with India this week? So I think many U.S. allies in Asia would say that since Xi Jinping has been the leader of China, they have been worried about China taking a much more assertive footing on the international stage. We've seen this through military aggression or expansion in the South China Sea, uh, more recently with the strengthening of control by Beijing on Hong Kong. One of the other key challenges for U.S. allies in the region is that for them, China is a key trading partner. They have a massive amount of economic dependence on on China. And so this sort of America first policy and this fierce competition between Washington and Beijing is increasingly putting other governments in a really tough position where they're struggling to balance their security ties with the U.S. on the one hand and their economic ties with China on the other. And so they are really being put into a position where they're increasingly worried about being forced to choose between Beijing and Washington. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit from a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.